Hey friends, and welcome to the podcast today brought to you by the Michigan Retailers Association. On today's episode, we head to Midland to Little Forks Outfitters and we're talking with Bo Brines. And as I said, my guest today, Bo Brines, my friend, how are you this lovely afternoon? I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day. It absolutely is. And and we've got lots to talk about, Bo. And I obviously want to start with the uh, place where you are currently running the world from, which is the Little Forks (laughs) Outfitters. Can we talk about, I mean, the story of this place is spectacular and we will get into this, but I imagine in the last three years as um, what seems like half of Michigan discovered there was an outside uh, might've probably changed your business a little bit. So let's talk about maybe the outfitters and kind of what people are doing with you guys currently. So talk about little forks and and how it all came to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been in a, in a, it's a great place to be um, in the midst of a pandemic, because, you know, everyone was looking to do things that they could social distance and everyone was getting outside, you know, it's always good for your mental health to get out in nature, but the last couple of years, even more so, you know, people had some time on their hands and a little bit of stimulus money in their pockets and, um, people were interested in trying some new experiences and, uh, that led a lot of people outdoors uh, my business is based on fly fishing, but we also serve as kind of a, a, a general outdoor shop in our area as well. I, I started out 27 years ago with the vision of being a pretty hardcore fly shop as a trout fisherman and um, kind of an adventure traveler. Um, I saw an opportunity to, to build a business that didn't really exist in mid-Michigan. And I'm located in Midland. Um, I'm right on Main Street in a beautiful downtown. And I'm a, I'm a hometown boy. I was born here in Midland. My father was in business on Main Street when I was a, a young lad. So I kind of grew up downtown. And it feels really good to, to be back there. And um, it's kind of amazing to think that I've been there for 27 years now because I'm still kind of just trying to figure it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think some days we, we kind of all feel like that. I'm wondering, Bo, can you maybe take me back a little bit before 27 years ago and maybe that moment when you went from someone who enjoyed fishing to somebody who, to use your words, was a hardcore trout fisherman. Like what was, what was the, the nexus to go, yep, this is the thing that I am going to be obsessed with and get really awesome at. Like, what would, do you remember kind of when so, either that moment or what happened? So to kind of set the stage, you know, to get a feel for where I'm coming from, my first love was music. So, um, when I was in school, um, that was my passion. I played in a lot of different bands. I played in symphonies and jazz bands and rock bands and played a lot of blues clubs and did some touring. Um, So if you had told me when I was in my early twenties that I would be a small (laughs) business person, I would have just like chuckled at that because there's no way that I was going to end up doing what I'm doing. Um, But I got into my late twenties and my father had a business, uh, so our family business was office products, and he had he had had a partnership earlier in his career, but he saw an opportunity and 
broke that business off and started his own business in the early 70s. And our family had that business for 30 years. And that was, that was where I cut my teeth as a business person. And the, and the revelation to me was when I had been playing in bands, uh, you know, my, my dad came to me and he was like, I'm going to probably sell the family business um, unless you're interested in giving it a try. And I was kind of at a point in my musical career where I was like, you know, being on the road gets old and it's really a young man's game. I think some people figure out how to do it, but it just never really seemed to suit me all that well. So, so I told him I'd give it a try. And I went to work in the family business. And um, as it turned out, it was a great fit for, for all concerned. Um, I discovered that in a business, you've got lots of opportunity to be creative and try new things. And um, I brought some things into the business that really turned you know the business was successful but you know it wasn't growing in leaps and bounds and we instituted some we put some technology in place and started selling differently and uh, business really took off so fast forward to 15 years later um i had developed a passion over the years for trout fishing and i was always been a a backpacker and outdoors person and a group of friends um, and I we made a tradition of of going out west and fishing Yellowstone and other areas in Montana and and I started hanging out in some of the fly shops out west and just really loved the vibe and I realized that there was there was nothing like that going on back in Michigan and this is like, you know, 1993, 94. And if you recall, you know, maybe you're not old enough, but like the movie, A River Runs Through It. So I, I appreciate that, but I'm old enough. I know I'm, okay. I'm tracking with you. <laughs> well, you know, Robert Redford took a, an awesome piece of fly fishing literature and really treated it with reverence and made it a, a really compelling movie and oddly enough um some of the people that worked on the film technically are from my hometown of midland because scientific anglers is right here in midland and that Mm -hmm. this is where the modern fly line was invented so there were there were some local connections to that but a river runs through it created this explosion of interest in fly fishing and i just happened to know some of the people in the industry and i knew are you familiar with the company Orvis? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yep. So Orvis is a, you know, some people know all about Orvis and others, there's not much awareness, but Orvis is a, a fine old Vermont, you know, New England based company and, and their core is fly fishing, but they also sell a lot of outdoor lifestyle equipment and very successful and uh, just a, just a fine company to do business with. But I knew the regional business rep and there, because of the popularity of a river runs through it, all these people were getting into fly fishing and fly shops were just like starting to pop up all over the place. Right about the same time, there was an effort to start revitalizing our downtown and they redid the streetscape. And one of the city fathers that was driving that whole effort to revitalize our downtown 
after the streetscape was done, he said, you know, now we need, now we need some quality specialty retailers, like, like, like an Orva shop. And he like, he said it by name. <laughs> and I just happened to, at the same time, be hanging out with the Orvis regional business rep. We were training dogs together. And I, I happened to overhear him talking to another gentleman who was expressing interest in opening an Orvis shop. And that just kind of put it in perspective that, hey, wait a minute, you know, people are, people are building their businesses around this whole concept. And on the office product side of things, you know, that's where I was earning my living at the time, but that landscape was changing rapidly. Right, we, right. We were growing like crazy, but there were, um, there were a number of big players entering the market. You know, we had an Office Max open up in town. We had a Staples open up in town. And everyone was concerned about our ability to, to, thrive in that setting uh, we were more commercial based so like we had like midland county and northwood university and the midland public schools so that was that was how we were really going to business um, and we continued to grow even after the big boxes opened up but everything changed and it really became um it was a it was a lot more focused on price and it and it wasn't as it certainly wasn't as fun as it had been sure yeah and, yeah, yeah yep and i was just kind of looking down the road and it seemed like things weren't going to get any easier um but at the same time i had this vision of a, an outdoor business with fly tackle as as its basis and um my thought there was <clears throat> that would be a business that was was so so much involved with customer service and in-depth knowledge of the sport um that it would never really attract the the big players the way the office products industry was right. at that yeah, time yeah yep so i did some research and i talked to the orvis regional business manager and um he made me put together a business plan and I just kind of realized that if I didn't do it, then someone else was going to, and it was, it looked like a great idea and, and I knew it would work. And, you know, I was in my mid thirties at the time and I was, I was feeling, you know, a little bit, a little bit cocky with the success we were having. Yep. I was like, yeah. Oh, this is no big deal. I could just open another business and with the intent that I'd keep running the office products business and then maybe retire to the, the fly shop, you know, down the road. Makes that was sense. my plan. Yep. Yeah. Well, I opened the fly shop and then maybe six months later, you know, we, we entered into the lease agreement and, um, my wife became pregnant with our first child <laughs> and then we quickly had another. So I ended up in this situation where, um, you know, I had two businesses, we had two kids at home two in kids. diapers. Yep. My yep. wife was working full-time for the city. So those were pretty crazy times, but everything um, turned out very well. You know, we were we were well received, and I think we we chose our location wisely. You know, six years later, I ended up buying the building from the, the guy that I was leasing it from, and um, 
that's been another passion of mine has been being involved in helping to revitalize our downtown. And I don't know, have you been to Midland lately? Do you ever? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we've got a lot going on. Um, there's, there's a lot of really cool things. We just redid the streetscape again a couple of years ago and it's beautiful. You know, we've got a, a real welcoming community gathering space and we've got a lot of, a lot of entertainment going on and new restaurants and bars cropping up. Um, we still need to work, you know, the, the pandemic's been kind of hard on some of the, the spaces as far as, you know, some businesses had a hard time weathering this whole crisis. It, and in my case, it's been, we've had our best two years. Uh, I'm sure you have. Been, yeah. The, the hard part has been getting the product to sell. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's universally everybody's issue mm-hmm. right if, if you are in in one of those sectors where it's been a good 24 months the difficulty has been like the shelves are empty right people love yeah. coming in here but i have nothing to sell you right now you know well and a, and a lot of people were looking to buy maybe a tier or two above what they would normally be inclined to buy like you know someone might want give me the best waiters you have which we carry some really nice waiters and the the best waiter that sims fishing makes is an $800 waiter, you know, so it's an investment, but they couldn't make them fast enough. So like we had, it, it, it's been very fruitful for us, but it's also been really frustrating because (laughs) in today's world, if, if, if I don't have the product, people can just get on their phone and generally someone is going to have it. And that was one of the things like when all this started, I think that was one of the things I, I did that was smart in hindsight. And I, I just kind of saw the, the writing on the wall coming as far as inventory supply. And I took everything that I could get, you know, and a lot of dealers were, were canceling orders. Yep. And a lot of manufacturers were my vendors like Patagonia and cool clothing and um, keen footwear. Uh, a lot of them didn't really know how to play things. And they saw these orders being canceled from their dealers and, and they started canceling some of their factory orders. So what, what looked like it was going to be a real tightening of the market. Once we were able to open up, you know, with the first couple of months, we were closed by order of the governor and I was the only one allowed in the shop. So I was getting whatever orders I could off the, the web or, Facebook people were Facebook messaging me right. and, and calling the shop and um, anyways uh, what actually happened instead of things tightening um, once we were able to open back up it was just gangbusters and it and it has been right up till this point so I I do start to feel things maybe with with the interest rate going up and the cost of gasoline and um, you know, groceries. Now people, their their disposable cash is a little. It's it's strained. You know, there's a lot of different places that people's money are going. Um, so that leads me to my next question, Bo. Is like, as the chair of the board of the Michigan Retailers Association, you're obviously intrinsically understanding the ebb and flow of retail business mm-hmm. in normal times, sure. and now enjoying learning the ebb and flow of the retail business in and around a global pandemic. But what I, I, I wonder for you, what does being the chair of the board entail? 
And why should consumers care about the Michigan Retailers Association? Because like I said before we started recording, this is an organization that for most consumers, they don't know even exists. Right. Yeah. Like I have to say, I'm, I'm very proud to be associated with Michigan retailers and I I'm incredibly honored to be chosen as their chair. You know, it's the, a small specialty retailer from Midland and I'm sitting on the board with folks from Target and Meyer and, um, Kroger, uh, some, some very successful jewelers and, and shoe retailers from around the state. So it's definitely an illustrious company. And as an organization, it's it, it, me personally, I've learned a lot from just being around not only the staff, but the, the other board members as well. You know, we exchange information um, and the, the staff has always been just top notch. And, one of the things that I really enjoy about Michigan retailers is they understand the entrepreneurial spirit and what it is that's driving us as business people. They, they totally get it. And that's, that's why Michigan retailers as a state organization is very successful and continues to grow early on back in the eighties. Um, the leadership of Michigan retailers and oddly enough, back in the eighties, uh, I was a member of Michigan retailers with our office products business. And I used some of the services that they <laughs> provided. Yep. Uh, one of the key things back then was workers comp insurance. And that was a great place to, to go that I, you know, I knew I would get a, a good rate and I knew that they understood the implications of a business like mine and what the workers comp policy needed to entail. Um, but the thing that kind of really changed the, the fortunes of, of Michigan retailers was they decided early on to get into credit card processing. So that's one of the services that the association offers its members. And it's, it's key helping keep some of those rates down for members large and small all across the state. Uh, recently, within the last few years, um, the the insurance side of the, the um, portfolio also grew. So there have been some intelligent moves made by management and they're really good at finding the right people to make all these efforts happen. Um, we keep, keep an eye on all of the legislative issues. We've got an excellent VP of political affairs, uh, Amy Drum, I don't know if you know Amy, uh, but absolutely, yep. She's super capable and very personable, and knows pretty much all of our legislators on a first name basis, and they certainly know who she is. Um, but she keeps her finger on the pulse of what's happening as far as what's moving through the legislature. And as a business owner, I, I'm wearing so many hats. You know, I'm I'm on the floor selling. I'm I'm teaching fly casting. I'm at a buying show trying to find product to bring in for next season. So I don't really have time to sit down and figure out the implications of House Bill 237 as it moves through the legislature. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But but Amy will she'll take all that information and distill it and um, provide bullet points to the membership, which. I, I think that's just a, an invaluable service. 
Um, and because of the, the solvency of the association, some of the other state associations uh, have not made some of those same moves. Um, and like state associate, state retail associations across the country, if they just rely on membership fees, they can't fund really any efforts to really help their members a whole lot. So that's a difficult proposition. Um, but in the case of Michigan retailers, we've been successful enough that um, some of the other state organizations, the, the Michigan grocers and the Michigan hardware store owners uh, recently decided that they were going to combine their operations. You know, and these were two separate incidents where the grocers joined Michigan retailers and then the hardware store owners joined Michigan retailers. It's a, it's a common mission anyways. So right, yeah. um, it makes sense that we're all housed under the, under the same umbrella. And the, the input from some of those guys, you know, there's some real savvy operators. And I have to say everyone that's on the, on the board that I interact with, that not only are they savvy and, and good business people, but there's, a, it's a very, um, it's just a real moral good natured there's a lot of good people so it's been, been really rewarding so bo as we wrap this up if um people have an interest in fly fishing and want to reach out to you what is the best way for them to do that they can reach me via email at bo at littleforks.com or you can just give me a call at the shop the shop number is 989-832-4100 and awesome. it is, uh, we're kind of at the peak of the Michigan trout fishing season right now because um, the largest mayfly in North America is just really starting to hatch on the Osable and Manistee systems. And that's when some of the biggest fish in the river are caught. So, And I mean, trout aside, you've got a, a photo of a carp on your Instagram that's also an incredibly huge <laughs> fish. That thing is incredible. Well, that's like right here in town. Like what, I know, we but don't it's have a huge. Midland. So like when I decided I was opening a fly shop in downtown Midland, you know, first of all, all of the, the anchors downtown, Sears and JCPenney and, you know, in the late 80s, everybody fled for the mall. So like downtown was, you know, that's why they needed to revitalize it. Yeah. So when I decided I was going to open a fly fishing business and I decided I was going to open it downtown, I got a lot of quizzical looks from people you know, they're like, Oh, fly fishing business. Okay. And, um, and, uh, downtown, huh? So, but I, I had a vision and thankfully it's like the, the rest of the downtown community and the Midland community has been very supportive. So there are others that shared my vision and we've just kind of, kind of made it happen. So it's pretty cool. All right, Bo, I will let you go. Have an amazing weekend. Get out on the water and we will talk to you again soon, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric.